Welcome to the Tech Trek, where technology leaders share their insights, experiences, and views. Every week, I bring you a new guest. And on today's episode... Hello, my name is AJ Wasserman. I'm a portfolio product owner at Liberty Mutual Insurance. For those of you who may not be familiar with Liberty Mutual Insurance, we are a 100-plus-year-old property and casualty insurance company. We are global with 50,000-plus employees, including about 4,000-plus in the technology space. My roles and responsibility, I am um, in charge of our cloud FinOps practices and program at Liberty Mutual, in addition to a tech data insights team. AJ, thanks for being on. I'm I'm super excited to have you on the show and to talk to you about, you know, the cost side of the cloud. I know there's a lot of different things people can do. And uh, with your background, I thought this would be a great episode. So thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So I guess, you know, let's set a little context, um, you know, when we talk. And I know this is not going to be a technical podcast. We're going to talk about, you know, the... The, the financial side of uh, and the impact on the financial aspects of the cloud. But just give us a sense as to when when we think about Liberty Mutual, just general ballpark, how big the infrastructure looks, uh, just to give everyone a, a high level. Sure. Um, so we have thousands of applications that are running in the cloud and we still have a footprint on-prem. Um, so we have about 70% of our workloads running in the public cloud. We are a multi-cloud user. So we have a strategy that goes across the, the main public cloud providers and we have some you know greenfield built in the cloud applications. We have some mainframe applications and we have some hybrids. So it is a, is a mix of a lot of applications that are running. How long um, has the process been in place to kind of make that shift into being more cloud-oriented? We deployed our first cloud resource 10 years now. So we've been doing it for a long time, and it's definitely been a journey, and it's taken us you know, a long time to kind of get where we are today. But we're, I think we're in a really good spot, and I'm excited to talk to you about how we kind of build our cloud FinOps program. Absolutely. So yeah, you definitely have seen all angles uh, through all the growth pains and, 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 and there. I guess let's kind of start with just top level discussion. I guess, you know, when we think about infrastructure, cloud, the discussions around cap, capex, opex all come into play. Just at the stage, maybe help us understand what we're looking at when we start thinking about those things in the cloud. Yeah, it's definitely a shift in mindset, even in accounting principles. So, um, you know, it's definitely going to that operating model. It's different, right? And we had to educate a lot throughout the organization on what that meant for us. Um, But there still are some CapEx components to it, right? So if you do make some longer term commitments with a cloud provider, you're going to maybe have a fixed commitment you met and you might pay for things in advance to get some discounts. So you still might have some of that capital expenditure. It really depends on what you're doing with your program. but Really changing the way the engineers were thinking about development in the cloud was big for us. So understanding that they now had autonomy to make decisions about the different products that they were using and the different cost models that came with those um, different choices. That was really important for us at the beginning for them to understand the the role that they played in cloud financial management with this change in um, process. I guess as you kind of, you know, have gone through this process and, you know, engineering now has this power of going to the cloud and, and and deploying and doing and building as they kind of need to do, that could possibly get out of hand. I mean, I'm assuming people can, you know, start spinning up projects, start, you know, consuming resources, and all of a sudden those bills can spike when you never really thought they were even there. 
That is a real thing. And for us, like our initial focus when we were going down this financial journey was we needed to understand what we were spending. So what services we were using, how we could tie those back to business units for chargeback and things like that. Um, but it is, it is really important to understand because we do give the teams, you know, that autonomy to decide what they need. Like they know their application. They know, um, you know, if it's global and it has to be up all the time, even in the lower environments, they know that. And we kind of give them that flexibility to make those decisions. But we definitely have adopted sort of that well-architected framework so that they are kind of balancing that cost with performance, stability, um, sustainability. So we've really adopted that mindset as well over time, but we keep an eye on it in my team. So we're monitoring the bills. We have anomaly alerts. So there are some instances where teams may be experimenting or building new things and their spend has gone off the charts. We have some controls in place to keep an eye on that so we can rein it back in and understand and fix things that happen like that. But it does happen. It's real. <laughs> Yeah, I guess, you know, you, you, you bring that power of computing, whereas before, you know, you had to define things, you had to go purchase equipment, you have to do all those things. And now, you know, you could you could possibly do all this stuff, you know, on, on your laptop connected to whatever cloud provider and boom, there you go. Mm-hmm. As you kind of talked about some of those controls and, and, you, and you understand the developers and the engineering team have to kind of have a little bit of latitude, what does a line in the sand look like? Or what would you advise a line in the sand to look like? Because obviously what could turn out to be an experiment could be a successful experiment that was unplanned for, or it could be a you know a detrimental one. Is there like a little bit of guidance you'd have in terms of when you keep an eye or what those limits would possibly look like? Yeah. And I think, you know, so each business unit does have a cloud budget, right? So we do have like our cloud enablement, cloud leaders that are keeping an eye on things as well. So, and depending on what, you know, the team is doing, whether it's experimenting with innovation or it's kind of understanding if they're migrating an existing workload where they're going and doing some of that experimentation, it kind of comes down to for that business application and the value we're getting, understanding where they need to be um, and what, again, going back to that requirements of your application, we just try to educate them on, you know, as you're building, could you use smaller sizing in lower environments? Can you shut things down on nights and weekends and kind of instilling those behaviors in them so they're doing the right things? But ultimately, it can, you know, like each business unit does have their budget, so they have some flexibility in how they spend those dollars. And then again, we are keeping an eye on it, but they do have some of that um, flexibility to use those cloud dollars as they see fit. <laughs> there needs to be a little experimentation budget, obviously, that everyone has a, an option to work with. You mentioned the bill. I did play with AWS at one point. I saw the bill and it it it, it seemed a little more than I thought. It required a little bit of reading, understanding, I had to you know go search what this meant, that meant. When you see these bills from cloud providers, and it could be any of the any of them out there, there are some nuances to making sure when you read the bill, you fully understand what you're being charged for and understanding what you know to look out for. From your experience, obviously, you're, you know, what are you looking for when you see those bills or or maybe how do you want to help someone understand or read that bill a little bit easier that they might not be looking at? Yeah, those bills are massive, right? So they provide a substantial amount of data, which is awesome, right? Especially I'm a, I'm a data geek, so I love getting into the details. So for us, I think in, in my advice too for anybody starting out is to really have a solid tagging strategy so that you can understand what you have out there, what applications, resources. So you can tie those back to teams. It's important for cost management. It's important for security. But that was kind of critical for us so that we could understand kind of just from a business perspective 
what were we putting out there? Um, so I'd say that number one is really important. And for us, one of the approaches we took was to, um, we have like an application system of records. So we tag things with those GUIDs so that we can rely on that GUID in the billing data, but then can tie back to that application system of record as things changes in the business landscape. So if we have a reorg, then that um, new organizational data is easily available, but we can also see sort of that historical from a chargeback perspective. Um, so I think that's really important just to have a good tagging strategy, um, but then understand the services that you're using. So we're using a hundred plus services from those cloud providers. So I have to understand what are those services? How much are we spending in each? Where should we be spending our time from an optimization perspective? Um, so there's just so much data, but it, it is awesome. <laughs> Yes, very, lots of data. I'm glad. I'm glad you like data. That's a that's a positive. When you look back and and you kind of think through the ten year journey, obviously heavy cloud adoption. Are there circumstances when you know you're seeing people potentially go, you know what, we'd be better off not being in the cloud, and and then obviously you got to pull out the pencils and the and the calculators to start actually looking at the financial impacts of that. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I think for us too, when we started this process, we um, we kind of did a lot of modeling with applications. But I mean, if you t- take an application, you lift it and shift it and run it in the cloud, just like you do on-prem, you're going to spend more, like no doubt about it. Um, so really, it's it's it is finding that balance. And and if you are if you do need to move over an application, a legacy, we have a lot of old legacy applications. Um, so you have to figure out: do we modernize it as we move it over? There's going to be some investment. To modernize it, does it make sense to do that or move it, you know, and then do some optimization on it? So there's a lot of different use cases that we see, and it's, you know, we'll work with teams to help them model out those different options. And when you talk about obviously you're modernizing and 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 you're working with the teams and somebody has to try to guess, right size. I mean, that, that's probably the right term, but I like the term guess as well. Somebody needs to figure out and estimate um, what those resources are. How do you help somebody walk through that? Especially, let's say, newer technology leaders. I mean, everyone is well-versed in the cloud, but owning the actual budget and owning and managing is a little bit different for some people. But how would you help someone understand that right-sizing piece from a financial aspect? Yeah, I mean, so if you're kind of starting out, what we recommend is start small and grow. You have access to all of this capacity in the cloud, right? So see what you can use and then grow as needed. I think if you're migrating an on-prem workload, you can use some of your existing metrics to try to determine what you need. But then it goes again to um, having them change their mindset maybe when they get to the cloud of using smaller sizes maybe for dev and test, things like that. Do you need all those environments? Um, So... Yeah, it just depends on kind of the situation you're dealing with. But that's my team does provide a lot of support from, you know, just understanding the new financial model, helping model out whether you're doing a new build or you're doing a migration, but supporting them, especially for the folks that are newer, because we do have um, business units that are in different parts of their journey on their migration to cloud. I guess as you've you've seen these different you know, learnings of the last 10 years and, and you've seen different experiences. What are maybe a couple of things that you're like, you know what, if I had to do it again, these would be the top of mind if I had to start afresh? I think 
probably having some optimization, uh, sorry, automation on optimization to start. So we've got a lot of stuff that's running in the clouds now, two, 10 years in. And so we're finally looking at automation for our team. So going back and cleaning up some of this stuff. So I wish we would have done that sooner just to help. Because what happens is a lot of this cleanup is like death by a thousand cuts. So an engineer is not going to want to go clean up a volume, like an EBS volume that, or storage volume that cost a penny, right? But when you add up the pennies over like millions of these volumes, it adds up. So if we could have done more automation in that space, so we're just really starting to get into it. I'm thinking, you know, from our maturity, from a cloud FinOps perspective, um, that's probably the biggest lesson learned <laughs> for us. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is, it is crazy how, what seems to be trivial, you know, uh, costs, I uh, want you, as you multiply it out for, you know, several hundreds of thousands, millions, I mean, it becomes staggering. When you are sitting down and having engineers understand that conversation, right? Because obviously they're busy building. What does that conversation look like? Because obviously to them, you know, it's a penny on my, you know, whatever. But to actually understand that impact and that that these do add up and the company would be saving a tremendous amount of money is, I mean, who do you have that conversation with and and how do you help them understand the importance of actually going back and turning off services they don't need? So I would say the audience varies on those conversations. So um, we do meet with some of our bigger applications on a monthly basis to look at their footprint, look at optimization opportunities. Um, but because we do have thousands of applications, we can't scale that. Um, so what we do is we um, we started pushing out almost like utility bills to our customers. So like an IT owner on a monthly basis gets a summary statement of their spend. It has a trend. It has their recommendations. So that is actually added some traction on getting folks to take action for us. So that's sort of, I would call it like the owner of that application. But we also meet with teams and we have some teams that are so excited about saving a couple dollars. And then we have other teams that are like, we have so much on our plate right now that we can't you know, work on some of these optimization levers. So that's what we'll have a conversation and see like, is there any low hanging fruit that we can help you save a few dollars knowing that you can't prioritize this right now because you have other important work going on. Um, So we'll work with them and say, for example, if we have a lot of right sizing recommendations where they're, you know, they're over provision and they tell us we don't have capacity to look at that, we'll say, well, if you're running 24 by 7, could we potentially leverage some of those discount pricing plans that the cloud providers have? So we can at least get you some savings. So it just depends on the team. It depends on the business priorities. But we try to sell them, too, on the fact that if they can make changes, um, it is a nice story to have with the business partners about, I was able to save this money, and now you can reinvest it in other things for the product. So that is, you know, we, we try to help them sell that when they're trying to prioritize some of this work. Absolutely. I was actually just thinking, you, you mentioned your, you love data. Um, you guys have a lot of activity happening within your team. What, what does your team look like? What's the makeup of your team? Yeah. So my team has been a journey as well. So when I started this journey at Liberty, I was actually in one of our business units and was tasked with learning, like, what does it mean for us to migrate to the cloud financially? So I had to go learn all of this. It was it was pretty exciting, actually. Um, and then I was um, a subject matter expert as we were building out our cost transparency tool. Then I started getting into some of the optimization levers. So they asked me to lead um, this effort from an enterprise perspective. So I was actually transferred over 
over to our technology finance group. Um, so I was there for a couple of years and it was just me and one other financial analyst and we were doing this for all of Liberty. And so what we found over time as we built the program is um, we, we ended up moving over to our um, secure DevOps platform team so we could embed what we were doing in the engineering experience. So we have grown. So um, I lead the team and I have three data analysts and I have one solutions engineer. Um, the technology side of that is helping us with more of that automation. But the other benefit of us being in our secure DevOps platform team is we have access to other engineering teams that can help us um, when we have sort of a technical aspect of something that we're trying to deliver. So it's been exciting to kind of move over so we can just get this a part of what we do, just like shifting security left or trying to shift CloudFin ups left. You know, it's so interesting. As, as you were saying that, I was thinking about security and shifting left. And um, what they battle with constantly is the, the the stigma of being the no police of no, can't do this. I was actually thinking it might not be too dissimilar. I mean, I, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but maybe tell us about that experience, because obviously you are shifting left into technology more and more. Yeah, no, it, it probably is similar. Um, I think it, it helps. So like I was saying that we can help them tell the story of the money they're saving. It's a positive story with their management, leadership, business partners. That's how we try to sell it. We ran a contest in our own department to try to get some engagement and we piloted it because we want to roll it out further in the enterprise. Um, but the teams were, had a lot of fun with it. We did like a bingo board and we gave them points and prizes based on different optimization activities. So, you know, we're trying to get them excited about what we're doing and and think about this economy. Everybody is really cost conscious and looking to save money. So this gives the engineering teams an opportunity to, to contribute to that. So we try to sell them on that as well. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. The DevOps team, the SRE team, obviously they're, they're in the end responsible for a lot of optimization that's happening for the engineering teams. That relationship with them, and obviously it's got to be a pretty close partnership since they do have access to a lot of these components you're looking for as you're kind of imagining and in, in, you know the engineering teams you mentioned running contest how close is that relationship with the devops team that that team growing because i could imagine it could easily be an extension i mean finops could actually be absorbed potentially into that devops world and mm -hmm. and become more of one versus as it is now but i mean is that something you could foresee or is that just potentially too difficult embedding finance into that devops team no, I could see it happening over time. I mean, I'd love to put my team out of business, right? So that we're doing everything like, You're like right. DevOps. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Right. If we can do everything right, we're optimized from the start and where we don't actually need my team. That's fantastic. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Cause I think that's the, you know, as I'm, as I'm listening, you know, a lot of the things you go through when I have somebody, especially from the infrastructure side on or security side, a lot of these conversations are from the technical side and you're talking about, you know, how do you get an engineer to focus on a piece of work that's typically outside of their traditional workflow? And what I've noticed, the challenge with security and what they're trying to do is to make sure, can we actually help enhance our workflow and not add to it? Mm -hmm. And I guess when you're having people go back and run these audits, you're adding work, which obviously everyone's a little bit more resistant to doing more work. But if it's a, you know, if it's a piece of the workflow, then all of a sudden now, yeah, it becomes a little easier for you. 
Yep. And again, that's where we're trying to do automation. So we're trying to look for those waste opportunities and take the action for the teams where it makes sense. Like we certainly don't want to break a production workload, but we want to take that off their plate so they can focus on delivering value. We can, you know, clean up their waste for them. So we're going to continue to expand our automation, which is important for us. If you were going to, and I know Liberty Mutual is a big company, so it's it's a little bit different piece, but but if you were to want to talk to, let's say, companies that are not as mature with the cloud, somebody not in your role, uh, but somebody has to do the job, right? And I think that's the tricky part. What advice do you have for those people where somebody else is adding this onto their workload and they're still early trying to figure it out? Yeah, I think to start really just understand how the cost model works. Um, you know, what are you going to get charged for? Like one of the big things that, you know, when we first started getting into this, I'm like, we're going to get charged to move data around. Like that's a new thing. We don't have to look at that on-prem. So just understand kind of what the cost model means to you. And for me, kind of starting out in finance, I wanted to focus on where, where I could add the most value to start. So where we focus a lot of attention on was to kind of get discount pricing in place for a lot of our compute. Because I was like, that's something I can influence, I can drive, I don't need to change resources. So we sort of started with that. So I would say, regardless of your size, that's an opportunity. And even if you're smaller and just getting start starting out, you can leverage like the tools from the public cloud provider. So you can look at your spend, you know, for example, like using Cost Explorer from AWS or Azure Portal for Azure. They have tools available. Use at least what you have to start. And they have optimization recommendations. And then really understand your footprint. So what products and services are you using? And then what are the, the savings levers that you have for those particular services? And leverage the internet. There's a lot of great stuff out there to learn. <laughs> Absolutely. I guess when it comes to, let's say, a smaller company, um, even a startup potentially, and, and you have obviously you know limited people within the financial office, maybe just the CFO controller, and then you have a VP of engineering and how how who should handle this more or less? Because obviously for you, you had the opportunity to go ramp up and really get to know the tech side and 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 what's happening. But maybe in a dynamic or somebody doesn't have that background, the engineering side might feel gravitated towards understanding it. But then, you know, there's still a finance component. How would they partner? How would you see that kind of dividing? Yeah, I think you need at least one finance person and one engineer, right, to partner to just make sure. Because even from your finance person, if they don't understand technology, they kind of need to understand like the services they're using, the levers and things like that. But I think you, in this model, I think you have to collaborate and at least have one finance person and one engineer. I guess I was going to ask you one uh, final question in regards to like the the the, the topic of the podcast when you're looking back and obviously over the 10 years that you've, you've, you've seen this happen and you've seen, even you're viewing the modernization that's ongoing now, are you at all worried about, Hey, cloud providers changing from an engineering perspective? Cause obviously you're building a lot of stuff on this side and you're, you're ramping up on understanding one, but if somebody does decide, Hey, it's better for us to go someplace else. Does that complicate your life or what is the impact to your world? Yeah, no, it definitely does. Um, our cloud provider mix like impacts kind of where we're spending our time, where we're spending our attention. But from a you know from our public cloud strategy perspective, we do want to be able to port. Say a, a cloud provider has a capability that we want to take advantage of, so we're trying to get you know the engineers to keep that in mind as they're building things. Like maybe don't build it just for one particular cloud provider. So we we do we do look at that. But yeah, it does you know like we have one you know 
cloud provider that we use more than others, we spend a lot of our attention on that cloud provider. So should that shift, that does that would impact us. <laughs> awesome. Before I let you go, um, there's a couple of questions I like to to ask just so the audience can get to know you a little bit better. Going to go through a few with you and uh, and and see what you answer. So. I guess the first one, uh, and you have a very unique job, obviously, for a lot of people that'll be listening, but when it comes to keeping yourself motivated on a day-to-day basis, what what does that for you? I think the pace of change in the cloud space. So I learn something new every single day, whether it's a new service that's being rolled out. It's so my job is exciting. I love my job. I love the data. I love the analysis. And I have a tech data insights team. So I'm getting more into Dora metrics and DevOps metrics. So, and they kind of go hand in hand. And I just, you know, just that, that I have an intellectual curiosity. So just the fact that this changes a lot that I, my, I, will, I can't see myself getting bored in, in this space. <laughs> Okay. That's, that's, that's absolutely fair. If you could remove one thing from your job, if you could uh, slash one item from the list of of stuff you have to do, what, what would you slash? Well, I have three teams, so that can be challenging just between agile ceremonies and stuff like that. So probably, probably getting rid of a few agile ceremonies, maybe just because of the three teams. (laughs) There you go. There you go. I can can imagine you'd get some of your day back uh, if you could. A little bit. (laughs) <laughs> having having asked that, um, is there a productivity hack that you kind of live by to help you stay, you know, efficient, on track, focused? For sure. I mean, I I mean, I have to as a product owner, I have to prioritize my products, but I also have to prioritize my time. So I have to figure out across my products where um, where I should be spending my time and try to time box a little bit so I can make sure that I'm giving everything its right attention. And and again, prioritizing like even from a cloud FinOps perspective, there may be some areas where we can get more value and just making sure that I'm working on those things. Awesome. Lastly. I always joke, you know, we all love our jobs, but if you did win the lottery tomorrow, where do you go? Like what, what's, what's your, and, and obviously um, you can certainly go back to Liberty Mutual, but in a, <laughs> in a fictitious world where you could do whatever you wanted, what is that thing that you'd go, I'd love to do this? I think I'd travel the world to start. World. Yep. And then I'd do some volunteer work. There you go. There you go. I, I always joke with my wife. I think I was like, I think the idea of going to sit on a beach for the rest of my life probably wouldn't work. I'd probably end up back at, at the job. So <laughs> I have to do something. Yeah, um, yep. Same here. <laughs> absolutely. AJ, uh, thanks for being on. Thanks for sharing. Uh, a lot of great insights. I, hopefully people will you know, take away some uh, some of the notes that you mentioned about understanding their, their cloud and their FinOps side, but I appreciate you sharing. Thank you so much. That's it for this episode. I'll be back again with a different guest, a different topic. Until then, please like, subscribe, share, leave a comment wherever you are watching or listening to this episode. I can't thank you enough if you do. Until next time, thank you and goodbye.